0: Medic 43, District 1, Engine 51, response, cardiac arrest.
1: Hello everybody, welcome again to another edition of the MCHD Paramedic Podcast. Dr. Casey Patrick here, and today we're going to actually roll out our Back to the Basics series. So this one's going to be targeted to our first responder listeners out there, and we're going to highlight an ini- a recent initiative here at MCHD targeting anaphylaxis. And joining me t- today to talk about anaphylaxis and some of our recent developments here in the company are Ashton Herring and Kevin Crocker.
2: Hello.
0: Hey, Dr. Patrick. Um, so we're excited to be here to talk about anaphylaxis, um, more on a basic level, kind of uh, how MCHD made an initiative last year to roll out a benefit to our fire departments. I actually had a, an article posted last week on EMS1. There'll be a link in the show notes on anaphylaxis kits and easy epinephrine deployment to uh, the first on scene. So we're excited about that and going to kind of go through the highlights of that article here today. So Dr. Patrick, if you'll start out just talking about some of the basic information about anaphylaxis as far as signs and symptoms and treatment. So
1: you guys have listened, probably listened to enough of this to know that I think it's always important to start with vocabulary to make sure that we're all speaking the same language. And when we talk about anaphylaxis, there's a lot of terminology and words uh, that can be thrown around. And, you know, first off, let's start with anaphylaxis in general. And anaphylaxis is going to typically involve three major signs and symptoms. First of all, skin rash, oral mucosal swelling, and uh, blood pressure drop. Um, there are other additional uh, secondary or, uh, you know, less common things that can occur, oftentimes GI upset, uh, wheezing, bronchoconstriction. And, again, when we see these things in combination with an inciting event, uh, that's when we're concerned for anaphylaxis. Now, when we talk about anaphylactic shock, that's when anaphylaxis occurs with hypotension. Uh, Urticaria or hives is the rash uh, that occurs with an allergic reaction, but also will occur when that allergic reaction progresses to anaphylaxis. Uh, Angioedema is a term that we use for oral Uh, tongue swelling that can occur again with anaphylaxis. And how does this, what what causes anaphylaxis? And typically this is going to be some immune trigger that causes uh, white blood cell release of histamine and other inflammatory cytokines And these cause all the symptoms that we just talked about. So they're going to cause, again, airway constriction in severe cases, blood pressure drop because you get massive uh, vasodilation and vascular leak. And then the rash and the swelling, for the most part, is histamine related, um, released from the white blood cells. So why did we undertake this initiative uh, at MCHD? Well, anaphylaxis is, is deadly. And the number one cause of death in anaphylactic patients is failure to get epinephrine. And so what we, our goal was to move the epinephrine as close as possible as we can or as we could to these patients. And what we know from the literature is that when we take anaphylaxis runs in as a whole, when we look at, okay, how many of these were true anaphylaxis and how many got epinephrine study after study shows that the numbers are pretty consistently right around 50%. So in other words, we only give epinephrine to about half the patients who have true anaphylaxis. If you want to look at the exact guidelines for diagnosing anaphylaxis, we'll include those in the show notes. I don't want to bore you with those today, but again, we're going to talk about the main heavy hitter, um, you know, the obvious ones that we see. But again, we're only giving epi to about, we being EMS providers, only giving epi to about half the patients that need it. And really the more concerning part of some of those studies is that about 80 to 90% of patients are getting Benadryl. Not that Benadryl is not important, but Benadryl in acute anaphylaxis is not going to be uh, not going to be life saving. So let's go back through some of those signs and symptoms again, just to make sure that we're clear. And the big ones going to be rash, facial, oral swelling wheezing, blood pressure drop. And again, let's not forget the GI symptoms because those are going to be there too. So what are our treatment options? Well, we just talked about epinephrine and Benadryl, but really the big gun is going to be epinephrine. And how do we dose that? How do we, how do we use that in anaphylaxis? Well, there's two doses, pretty easy to, easy to remember. Our adult dose, and this is the same dose that's in the EpiPen that folks are prescribed to use at home, is uh, 0.3 cc's, which is equivalent to 0.3 milligrams of one to 1,000 epi, and that's given IM. And then the pediatric dose is 0.15 cc's, and that's 0.15 milligrams, again, of 1 to 1,000 epi IM. Some of you guys may have questions out there. What about IV epi? What about sub-q epi? Um, the sub-q is just doesn't, doesn't act quickly enough. And we'll talk a little bit about the speed that's necessary towards the end of the podcast. And IV epinephrine is for shock. It is not for anaphylaxis. Um, not that IV epinephrine may not be needed in severe anaphylactic shock, but it needs to be dosed very, appro- very carefully carefully and in specific appropriate patients. We don't include an IV epi dosage for anaphylaxis in our protocols here at MCHD. Now we do have IV epi and IV norepinephrine available to use for shock, but that's gonna be uh, once our advanced paramedics arrive.
0: So here at MCHD for our, our basics uh, in the fire department that are giving epi, um, which patient should they really be giving epi to? So is it the patient who has hives alone or should they have hypotension or respiratory distress? Like when do you pull the trigger and actually give the patient the epi?
1: That's a great question, Kevin, because it can get pretty confusing as far as the exact diagnostic criteria for anaphylaxis, because it can depend on many factors. We want to really simplify it for our first responders. And if you take a look at the inside cover of our EPI toolkit, it's got a picture guide for dosing, and it's got a quick diagnostic guide as well. And so we want to take the four major, most obvious exam findings for anaphylaxis and let those be our guide. And those four are going to be hypotension rash, respiratory distress, wheezing specifically, and angioedema. Angioedema is swelling of the lips, the tongue, uh, the oropharynx. So angioedema, rash, hypotension, and wheezing. Take those four. If you have two of the four along with a suspected trigger, then we're going to treat those folks for anaphylaxis. So it could be hypotension and rash. It could be wheezing and angioedema. You know, and it, the The problem with this is is going to arise when we have patients that we're not sure about an inciting trigger or an inciting event. So if you think about, you know, the patient calls and they just took their new antibiotic and their tongue is swollen and you get there and they've got a swollen tongue and wheezing, that one's pretty obvious. That's that's one that no one's going to struggle with. But if you find um, a 50-year-old gentleman, you get called by a neighbor because he's down in his yard and the lawnmower's in the yard, it's half mowed, and he's got a rash and... A blood pressure of 80. Well, it's highly likely he probably got stung or bitten by something. We may not be able to prove that, but again, suspected trigger, suspected inciting event. That's enough for us to really, to really start down this pathway. And when we look at, at outcomes in anaphylaxis patients, it's because they don't get epi, and because they don't get epi soon enough. Again, go back to what we what we've already talked about. You know, cardiovascular collapse can occur within minutes. So we want to be ahead not behind if we think there's an inciting event and we see two of the four major uh, diagnostic criteria again angioedema rash hypotension or respiratory distress wheezing then we want to go ahead and dose that 0.3 milligrams of im epi for an adult or 0.15 milligrams of im epi for our pediatric patients
0: very good so that kind of gets us to where where we were as a company i guess probably 18 months ago me and ashton talked quite a bit about getting epi to the first responders and what the best way to deploy that was so I sat through a uh, gathering of the Eagles lecture and I wish I could remember whose lecture it was but it talked a lot about Dr. Slovis was it Dr. Slovis yep. okay Dr. Slovis talked a lot about getting life-saving timely interventions in the hands of, of basics and the example he used was actually he was talking about anaphylaxis but he talked a little bit about like defibrillation so that used to be in the hospital only and then it moved to the pre-hospital and now it's out to the layperson with AEDs and our first responders have AEDs so uh, those timely life-saving therapies getting them to the patient quicker and epinephrine falls in the same category for anaphylaxis, because the quicker they get the epi, uh, the better their outcomes are going to be. So that's kind of the, the history of where we we got to where we are today and, and the need for the epi kits. Uh, the downside for us was the cost of the epinephrine. So looking at you know EpiPen, when we built these kits, the, the cost is about $450 uh, for an EpiPen. I think the cost has come down a little bit today, um, but still very, very expensive, uh, which is just kind of cost prohibitive uh, for us as a company to deploy that much epinephrine to 13 fire departments with uh, how many fire apparatus do we have Ashton?
2: Well, our widget number is about 200. So, yeah. so
0: that's a, a very expensive endeavor for us to, to go down. So uh, I read an article probably 12 months ago, maybe 18 months ago, got the idea from New York state. So New York state had made their own epinephrine kits. So I kind of looked at how they built their kits and how they um, deployed them and how cost effective were. And me and Ashton kind of discussed what, what MCHD could do. So we decided to, to build our own up in different kits as well. So our epi kits have, it's a small, clear plastic tackle box. I mean, pretty, pretty cheap. You can buy it any hardware store or, you know, Hunting and fishing store. Um, uh, Inside the kits, there's uh, two ampules of epinephrine, one to one thousand, a couple one cc syringes, some alcohol wipes, uh, and some adhesive bandages. In addition to that, uh, we also created just a quick MCHD guideline for anaphylaxis uh, that's just taped on the inside of the lid of those kits, which gives you some of the stuff Dr. Patrick talked about. So the triggers for anaphylaxis, the signs and symptoms, and the patients that you want to treat, and then also doses for the adult and pediatric patients. So it's a quick reference. So when you're in the heat of the moment, you can you know quickly reference that card and. Help you uh, make the decision for yes, treat this patient or don't, and what the dose for that patient would be. Uh, so, Ashton, uh, we have put a lot of work into getting those kits built and getting them to the fire departments. But uh, in addition to all that work, we have about a thousand first responders.
2: Yeah, around between eight and nine hundred.
0: So. so, so how did you go about training eight or you know that many fire departments?
2: Yeah. So, Epi is obviously something that's been around in the medical field for a long time. But like you said, getting it to the street level. Um, and to the first responders it was important, so we had to start with, you know, what do we need to teach them to hit the basics the when, you know, why, how, without really lingering on all the things that you learn in your advanced levels of EMT programs. So, um, first of all, we'd like to thank Dr. Suzanne Martins with, uh, the Wisconsin, she's the Wisconsin state medical director and, uh, her folks at the uh, public health department, they deployed this at a state level, uh, to law enforcement officers, which was really cool. So they have long EMS response times out there in Wisconsin. Uh, and so they put these in patrol vehicles and top police officers, and they have no EMT training whatsoever for the most part. And, um, and so that was a really neat project. So we got in touch with her and got a lot of her curriculum um, as a starting point of what we needed to do. And we just packed some boxes of syringes and needles and oranges, little clementine oranges, and, um, you know, covered, just like Dr. Patrick mentioned, the when and why and how of administering epi and what to look for. And it's been really successful. It It was pretty quick training. We did two hours of medical CE, and they got to practice injecting epinephrine into oranges and most the biggest thing is dosing right it's very small doses of epi and making sure that they um, were comfortable with using that needle and syringe
0: it was pretty well received and everybody had a good grasp of it when you left
2: i think so i think um i think they crave um getting to do new things that i mean think of it from a first responder aspect and it's hard for us as paramedics that have an ambulance full of stuff to put ourselves in their shoes but you get on a scene and somebody is anaphylactic they know what that is they know um they know about auto injectors but they don't have anything. And so it has to be the biggest frustration to sit there and wait and wait and wait for a paramedic for what seems like probably forever, but it might just be a few minutes. And, um, and then, you know, we give them a tool that they can use and they've just been awesome at it.
1: I think the the important part to remember too, Ashton, is that, and again, for the first responders out there that pre rollout for this, you roll up on the scene and, you know what they've got it's not usually a diagnostic conundrum it's usually pretty obvious you got somebody who's got an inciting event they've got a you know a diffuse rash oral tongue swelling and you don't have the tools and the the th- important thing for the listeners to remember is that time really is of the essence and i think we probably say that more than more than it's actually true but if you look at the literature on timing for cardiovascular collapse in in anaphylaxis you're talking Quick times for anaphylaxis in situations where we don't know the inciting event. It can be as quick as ten minutes. Uh, stings, ten to fifteen. Food, a little bit longer, uh, thirty minutes. But if you think about scene times and nine one one calls, five ten minutes. That's nothing. That's that's a finger snap. So imagine being able to help and wanting to help. But even worse, imagine wanting to help and knowing what you need to do and having to wait. That would be that would be pretty rough. So um, I think I think it's a it's the perfect time-sensitive initiative for us to really, like Kevin said, get the EPI in the hands of the people who are going to see these patients first, because it's one that they clearly can can manage and make the right decision. We've had we've had this program rolled out now for a year, a year, and we're we're averaging about one a month. We've had um, eight so far, eight mm-hmm. uses, and those eight have all been appropriate and have been obviously life-changing for these for these patients.
2: I think what's, um, we have the phenomenon, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate, of our ambulances, the first ambulance that leaves in these outlying areas, I mean, that call you know, you have an ambulance and a fire truck. But it's that second call where the ambulance is coming from even further away uh, where we see these, where these are being used, where they're waiting an extended abnormal amount of time for an ambulance. And these outlying part of our counties. And so they, you know, was, they would have been there for several minutes, five or more minutes waiting for an ambulance. And now they're able to, to administer epi. So make a big turnaround in patient. Just
1: for everybody listening out there who's not familiar with Montgomery County, we are the county due north of Harris County uh, here in Southeast Texas. And we're 1100, plus square miles, so about the size of Rhode Island. We're lucky we have robust service here with with fairly quick access to our patients. But still, when you're covering 1,100 square miles, there's going to be times where, when you're talking cardiovascular collapse in 10 to 15 minutes, can be right in our wheelhouse for times when first responders have the epi, they could administer it and potentially potentially save lives. Mm -hmm. I think if you're listening out there and you're in other more austere environments, it probably makes this more applicable. Um, I think Kevin's approach to... And Ashton's approach to trying to reduce the cost here is is really important because you know for our from our standpoint it's we've got a large number of first responders to to stock and so it's a it's a large number but even if you're operating on a, a shoestring budget out there with a smaller number of providers this is something that could be done for really a couple hundred dollars.
2: Yeah, this yeah. was hot glue gun and and boxes and my fingertips. Yeah, and I forgot <laughs> to say the
0: cost earlier. So we built the kits for under thirty dollars a piece. So. Yeah. When you compare that versus the the auto injectors at 450, it's a significant savings.
1: And you actually get you, know, you got you got two vials in there, so you really mm-hmm. have two uses. So you're talking
0: 15 bucks per use as opposed to
2: a 450 EpiPen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very cost effective solution. So
1: well, that I think that brings us to a good spot to wrap it up, guys. Thank you all for joining me today. Again, we're going to link uh, some diagnostic criteria for anaphylaxis in our show notes. Uh, we'll link some some general epi information for you guys out there, anaphylaxis information for you guys who want to check it out. And we'll also link our EMS1 article. Again, That was just released uh, last week. Congrats, Kevin, Ashton.
0: Yeah, and if anybody listening outside of uh, MCHD wants more information, please feel free to reach out to us at our email address, which is podcast uh, podcast.mchd-tx.org. And we'd be happy to share, you know, the work we did and the kits we built. So we're happy to share with any listeners out there.
1: Excellent. Be sure to join us again for the next episode. Talk to everyone soon. Thanks.